Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. What's up, New Hope Church? It is an incredible privilege to be here with you today on top of Mars Hill. Tradition teaches that it was in this exact location where the Apostle Paul preached the gospel in Acts 17. We're going to read that text in a moment, but I wanted to start in this position. We don't know for sure whether he preached it right here. We know it was up on top of this mountain somewhere. But history teaches, and it's been marked by this stone here, that this is where Paul preached the gospel. And as I speak to you, New Hope Church, who I love and you know my heart and my desire to serve God to the best of my ability, if you ever want to pray anything for me, pray that I would become a preacher like the Apostle Paul. Pray that I would stand with the same courage and the same boldness and the same scholarship and the same faithfulness as Paul preached the gospel in the first century. Paul landed here around the year 59 AD after the death of Christ. And here's where we encounter Acts 17. In Acts 17, we come across this famous passage of Scripture, and I'm going to start reading for you in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and by the way, this is Athens all behind me. This is one of the best views of the entire city is on top of Mars Hill. Paul comes up here, and while he was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? You know, I might be wrong, but I think I can imagine some folks on Sundays at New Hope maybe asking that same question. What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Verse 22, Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in the temples built by hands. As if he needed anything because he himself gives men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, and that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them, and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him, and find him, though he is not far from each of us. 
I love this next verse. For in Him, in God, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone or an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Let me repeat that verse. For there will come a day when he will judge the world by the one man he has appointed. He has given proof of all this to all men by raising him from the dead. And when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that point, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others believed. New Hope Church, what can we learn from this intriguing passage in Acts 17? It's amazing to me that even as I preach this today up here, people have kind of started gathering around. They listened to the message, and as Paul preached they wanted to hear more. And so I want to invite you to just, even as you're experiencing this message today, to admire the sojourners who might come into the video shot, maybe even pray for them. Throngs of people come to this historic mountain to uh, look at this view of Athens and also to consider this ancient text in Acts 17. Pardon the sunglasses, it's very sunny up here today, but I just want to take a few moments today to actually talk to you about what we can learn from the Apostle Paul and his approach in Acts 17. Because again, I think there are some incredible parallels between what Paul was up against in the first century and what we're up against in the 21st century with a vision like reach, teach, and release. If we're ever going to reach people and teach them and release them to become all that God has called them to be, we have to go to school on this amazing text in Acts 17. So go ahead and mark these few verses in your Bible, verses 22 and 23. Here's the first key takeaway for us. If we're going to build relationships with people who don't know Christ, for people who are maybe caught up in the idols that Paul was addressing then, even though the idols might be different today, if we're going to communicate with them and have even a chance, even a slight prayer of reaching them with the gospel. We have to be able to find a point of common connection. Find a point of common connection. Look at what he says here in verses 22 and 23. And then Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. Check it out, church. Did you see 
what the apostle did. He found this point of common connection. He found that they had an interest in God and they might have had an interest in idol gods and they might have been worshiping an unknown God. But Paul was basically finding a common connection in the midst of their idolatry. I believe faithful Christians today must find this point of common connection. We cannot just stand up and start preaching. We cannot just stand up and start ranting and raving. We cannot just stand up and say, we agree with this or we don't agree with that. We have to first start to build a redemptive relationship upon a common connection. And that was the brilliant move that the apostle Paul made. Here's the second thing if you're taking notes. Sensitively insert God into the conversation. Sensitively insert God into the conversation. And notice the word sensitively. We're not going to get anywhere in this day and age if we don't have some sort of sensitivity, some sort of love, some sort of compassion for the people that we are trying to reach. And so in verse 22, Paul establishes, hey, you're worshiping this unknown God. And then he says, now I want to proclaim to you that what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you in Jesus Christ. And then I love how he says this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. See what he's doing? Common connection again. The God who made the world. We're standing up here together in the midst of the world. God made everything in it. He's connecting with them. And he's sensitively starting to insert God, the God that he knew as the way, the truth, and the life. And he kind of wraps up this part of his method by saying this. Because he himself gives men life and breath and everything in it. Notice the connection. He's finding common ground. We all have life. We all have breath. And the God that you're proclaiming as unknown, I have come to proclaim as known. Here's the third thing I'd say to you today. When the moment is right and the spirit moves, proclaim the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So after we find a point of common connection and after we sensitively insert God into the discussion, and there it can be kind of broad stroke. And Paul's saying in him, we live and move and have our being. The third thing that I believe we have to do, and Paul does this, is we have to move toward the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If you still got your Bibles open, look over there. Look at verse 30 and 31. Paul says this, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance. He's making a connection again. They knew their history. Paul knew his history. He was a linguistic scholar. He was trained under the scholar Gamaliel. Paul was a brilliant, brilliant communicator. Speaking to them in Greek up here on top of Mars Hill, he says this. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to, here's a big word, repent. It's a small word, but it has a big, big, profound meaning. He says, you've got to repent. Verse 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world 
with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men, here it is, church, by raising him from the dead. So Paul, and again, this is what we have to learn to do with our colleagues, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family members. Paul establishes a point of common connection. Then he sensitively inserts God into the equation. But then he starts to drill down and hone in into the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by doing so, he says, listen, I want to let you know something. Here, here's another point of common connection. He says, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to stand and be judged. And I love how Paul puts it here. According to the justice of the one man he has appointed, the one man, Jesus. And then Paul says, God has proven all of this by raising Jesus from the dead. Church, that is the one thing that sets Jesus Christ apart from every other little G God. It is the fact that he has won victory over death. Where, old death, is your sting, the Apostle Paul would say in his letter to the Corinthian church. Where, old death, is your sting, Christ has trampled death, defeated death. And he says to these folks, we will stand before that God one day. And he has defeated death. He has raised up to new life. And because he has, so will we. And here's, here's the fourth and final thing that I think we cannot forget. I don't draw this necessarily from this particular passage, but I do draw it from our vision and I do draw it from all of the rest of scripture. Creatively invest and invite in the folks you're trying to reach and bring them to church with you. Visit a campus. If it's not this church, go to some Bible-believing, Jesus-exalting church and learn to compassionately and lovingly extend an invitation where you and I can partner together and we can partner with all the other ministries of our church, the children's ministry, the first contact, the student ministry, the adult worship, the life groups, the hope missions. We partner together. We get folks into these environments where you've already started to prime the pump. You've already started to build this redemptive relationship with folks that you love, that you care for. And you extend that invitation and God then starts to finish what you started in the cubicle at your workplace. Or you started around the proverbial water cooler at your workplace. Or you've started at a neighborhood gathering or a soccer field or baseball or football or in a gymnasium. You see, church, the way we reach people, the way we teach them the Bible... And the way we release fully devoted followers is very simply, we build redemptive relationships with people who don't know Christ. People who might be caught up in the idol worship that Paul was addressing in Acts 17. We find a common point of connection. It might just be something as simple as, hey, your kid's on my kid's soccer team. We find that point of connection. We keep pouring into the relationship. We sensitively find ways to insert God into the equation, into the conversation. Then we find that right moment whereby we mention the death 
the resurrection of the one man, Jesus, who Paul says in Acts 17, we will all stand before the judgment. And then we find that time to invest and invite them to a new hope environment. We might invite them once, two. We might invite them 10, 12, even 20 times. But over a period of time, we just keep inviting. And they watch our lives. They see the difference that this death and resurrection of Jesus has made in us. And one day, God opens up an opportunity for you to lead a person to faith in Christ. Or you bring them to church where I will offer them Christ and we get to celebrate and high five in heaven forever because you've been a part of someone getting saved and experiencing the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what happened up on this mountain. It didn't happen in mass numbers. That's one of the things I love about this text. It didn't happen in mass numbers. The Bible says basically two people came to believe, just two people and a few others, but the Bible only lists two people by name, Demarius and Dionysius. Two people. Paul preaches this message amongst all of these people. Two people by name and a few others believed. But what Luke 15 reminds us, church, is that there is incredible value in one. And I want to end with this question for you today. Will anyone be in heaven because you lived life? Will anyone be in heaven, walk the streets of gold where there will be no tears and we will be in eternal paradise forever? Will anyone be there because of you? I believe there will be. And if you want to make that happen, if you want to partner with me to continue to reach, teach, and release people for the gospel of Jesus Christ that will impact all of eternity, we have to go to school on Acts 17 and learn these four simple principles that Paul so beautifully lived out before us and on top of this hill. Let's pray together, church. Father, I thank you for Mars Hill. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the way in which you have strategically positioned our church in the 21st century in the Carolinas and beyond to reach a people who in their own right, God, are called up in idol worship. Father, the truth is many of us, if we're not careful, we will struggle with the same exact things. Let us not even for a moment believe that the idols were something of the past, but let us strip away our own idols, our idols of food, our idols of money, our idols of social status. May we strip those away, Lord God, and live for the one true God, the God who has been revealed to us in the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, may we learn from the Apostle Paul, this man who was on a mission, May we learn from him how to find common points of connection, how to live sensitively, God, and, and really be sensitive to where people are and their stories and minister with a delicate gentleness, God, that makes them want to hear more about the gospel. God, may we become experts of finding the right time to insert discussion points of the fact that Jesus was the only one who has ever defeated death. And may we then, God, when the Spirit moves and we feel you leading, may we just extend that simple invitation. Hey, why don't you come to church with me? Hey, I'd love to pick you up on Sunday and take you to church. And Maybe we can go to lunch afterwards. 
May we become not just inviters, but may we become bringers. And as your people, God, come to your house, we pray even in advance that your spirit would keep moving miraculously, Lord God, breaking down walls of hostility, barriers, burdens, stripping away idols and moving people like Dionysus, moving people like Demarius, moving people to become believers of Christ where they will walk with you forever, even into eternity. God, we thank you for the hope of the gospel. And we thank you for the Apostle Paul who taught us how to do it back then and who teaches us how to minister today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.